And uh, I don't believe we'll find a better friend than Jesus. We sing songs all the time. What a friend we have in Jesus. And you think about Jesus saying, uh, no greater uh, love hath this than a man lay down his life for his friends. And uh, you see Christ laying down his life for us. And what a wonderful friend we have in Christ Jesus. If you think about the friendship uh, that Jesus had with the disciples, did he ever try to steer them wrong or did he try to steer him toward himself, toward the Lord himself? He was always looking at trying to encourage these men and to keep them from uh, the uh, fiery darts of Satan. Uh, he talked to Peter several times, as we well know in the scriptures. He tried to encourage Peter, but all the men. And uh, one of the things that would happen is, is Jesus was always trying to encourage them to love God more and to walk closer with him and to be mindful of the, of the Lord. And so when Jesus said, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends, and he says, I've called you friends. And so you realize that Jesus was telling them he was about to lay down his life for his friends. And I began to think about when someone is truly your friend, they're going to encourage you to do right. I, you know, I had a lot of friends when I was growing up, but there was a lot of friends that wouldn't encourage me to do right. They encouraged me to do wrong. And uh, even to skip classes. And I went to the public school, and uh, I was on the wrestling team, and a bunch of us were goofing off one day, and we decided we were to skip out on study hall. And, uh, and so as we're running around and playing, uh, we decided we were going to sneak down these back stairs, and we got down these back stairs, and there were these huge mats that we used to... Uh, uh, play on. If uh, you saw someone in gymnastics, you'd see those big, high, tall mats and that. And so for whatever reason, in our mind, we thought it would be a neat idea to climb the curtains uh, that went to the stage. And then we were going to let go of those and fall down onto the mats on the floor. And that's exactly what we were doing. And I'll never forget, uh, Kenny Warman was a good friend of mine at the time. And uh, so everybody wanted to know where Kenny was. And the teachers had come in and they caught us all down there and so we were all in trouble. And back then they actually used a paddle in school. How many of you remember paddles? And uh, amen, right? <laughs> and so I got very familiar with that thing and it was often. And, uh, but uh, Kenny had, uh, there was a second set of curtains there and Kenny had snuck up in there and he had crawled up in there and nobody could find Kenny. And so they were asking where Kenny was and so none of us would tell where Kenny was and they said you folks know where Kenny is you know you boys know where Kenny is where is he you know and and Kenny couldn't hold on any longer and so as everybody's saying no we can't find Kenny and it's not really funny but it was hilarious here comes Kenny oh <laughs> he hit the mat and he said there's Kenny <laughs> and so but you know what are friends for are we there to lie for one another are we there to hide for one another what are we there for? And you really consider real friendship. And when someone is truly your friend, they're going to encourage you to do right. They're not going to encourage you to do wrong. And they're going to especially save people. They're going to uh, encourage you to do right according to God's word, not just even man's philosophy or just out of a moral aspect. They're going to encourage you to want to do right and not just what feels right at the time or just what uh, you think would kind of make them feel better if you say something at the time. And so... True friendship is truthful friendship, wouldn't you agree? It's truth. It's not uh, something that we hide uh, from someone. It's something that we share with someone when we share truth and friendship. And so I was challenging myself, would the Lord consider you a true biblical friend? Would the Lord consider you a true biblical friend? And, and as we go through the scriptures, I just want you to consider what kind of a friend you are 
uh, to others and uh, what kind of friends you uh, tend to uh, kind of gather around. And I thought about true biblical friendship has three components. And these three components I saw in this verse are this. They sharpen one another. Friends sharpen one another. Secondly, they have a biblical lifestyle. They have a biblical lifestyle. And then thirdly, they live as a biblical friend. And so I want to talk to you, first of all, about this idea of iron sharpeneth iron. If we look at this, Proverbs 27, 17 said, Iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. And so when you consider iron sharpeneth iron in a, in, in a man, what does he do? He sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. So this idea of iron, first of all, uh, is this. It's a cutting implement. Iron is a cutting implement. You think like an axe head or an illustration of a good sharp knife. Uh, twice since I've been in Ohio, I've never hooked myself in my entire life uh, with, with, with a hook uh, going fishing. And uh, I've never done that before in my life. And twice out here in Ohio, one, I was out one day and, and I'd just gotten a new reel. And uh, I think it was, was it last year, Connor, around my birthday or something like that? And I had a brand new reel. And man, Connor had bought me this new lure. And I was so excited. And so we just got a little small boat, and we were out in Indian Lake, and I was so wired. I was just stoked to use this thing. And I got out there, man, in my first cast, and it just, and it landed in a tree. And I thought, you got to be kidding me. So I was sitting there, and I was going like this with it, and it wouldn't let loose. And finally, you know how you get, right? You're thinking, I'm going to get this thing loose. I come in a little bit, and I go like this, and I've got a hat on, and I've got glasses on and everything else. And man, that thing finally let loose, and it come, and it went, shoo. and when it did, it pierced my head. And so it was stuck inside my head. So I look like I had like an earring now, you know, because I had like this big lure hanging off of me. And, uh, but it went right between my glasses, of all things, between my hat and my glasses, and that hook got me right here. So I had to go out to Mary Rutan. I had Connor out there with me. I said, just stay in the boat. And, uh, you know, stay with the boat, and I'll, I'll go over to Mary Rutan and see if they can get this thing out. And so, you know, we were trying to get it out and trying to get Every time I'd pull it, I could feel the skull coming with it, and I was like, this is not good. So I had to go over to Mary Rutan and get that taken out. Now, I want to tell you, that was a sharp instrument. Now, when it went in, it would have come out very easily, but how many of you know on hooks there's a thing called a what? A barb, and that barb was inside there. And Barb is not a very nice woman, and uh, so she had a hold of me right good. And so then the second time was, Connor and I were getting ready to go fishing, and he had a lure hooked inside his net, and he said he wanted to take the net. I said, oh, I'll get it for us. And I was standing there, and that thing slingshotted out, and it went in my hand. And now I had to go down to Mary Wilson, and this was when we went to man camp. And uh, I was telling you guys about it. So before I picked up James, I had to stop at Mary, or uh, what's uh, Wilson Hospital down there, and had to get a hook cut out of my hand again. And, uh, but why? Because it was very sharp. And it is a cutting implement. I mean, it's sharp. And so what happens is, as God said, iron sharpeneth iron, when you think about that verse, and you think about what it says, and it says in this passage, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. That means it is cutting it's to the point, isn't it? And so we want to keep each other sharp. When you think about the word sharpeneth, this is an interesting thought. It has this idea to contribute or make sharp or at times be relentless. In other words, don't give up. If you're relentless, you're staying after it, aren't you? And so you think about when iron sharpeneth iron, that idea of sharpeneth it has the idea of being relentless, and so you stay after it. 
Now, when you think about friendship as well, this places you in your friendship, and when you think about this, if you're a saved person, here's the thing that you want to be when it comes to your relationship with others in the Word of God. You want to be uncompromising. You don't want to be a compromiser when it comes to the Word of God in your friendships. Don't compromise the Word of God to have friendships. And the idea here is, is that it's uncompromising, it's unbending. In other words, it's even unflattering at times, and sometimes it can even be severe and harsh and to the point. And so what it is is that you're really going after someone and you're telling them, no, this is the way we ought to be. A verse that we have, and it's listed there, 1 Timothy 5.20, actually says this, them that sin rebuke before all that others also may fear. And sometimes you have to address your friends. And if they're being in a, in, in a simple mindset or simple attitude or a simple spirit, sometimes you have to address it with them. Now, when I share that with you, think about this. Helping one another to stay right. Helping one another to stay right with the Lord. Helping one another to stay right with the Lord and His Word. And, and God's Word's not dead. It's alive. It's a living book. It's a book that you can read again and again and again, and it never grows old unless you just sit it down and you have no desire to pick it up again. But God's Word is alive, and it's meant to be used. It's meant to be applied. And what the Bible teaches us is that we ought to help one another to stay right. If you think about iron sharpeneth iron, we want to encourage each other to do right, not encourage each other to do wrong. And so when God uses this, this is the idea behind it. Now, let me share this thought with you. There are biblical ways that we can help a friend when it comes to keeping each other sharp. Some biblical ways that we can help. What are those biblical ways? Well, in 2 Timothy 4, 2, the Bible says, Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all long suffering and doctrine. Now, I want you to think about this. This is talking about preaching the word, but I just want you to think about if you're dealing with your friends, you're dealing with situations, you're dealing with uh, a friendship, and you have someone that's doing wrong, shouldn't we be instant in season, out of season? Shouldn't we be willing to reprove, rebuke, or exhort? And God says to do it with all long suffering, but here's the key to it now. Listen to me. And doctrine. What is doctrine? It's the teaching, isn't it? The teaching of the Word of God. And so whenever you're trying to correct or help someone, don't do it to or according to your philosophies or man's philosophies. Do it according to the truth of God's Word. And what we have a tendency to do sometimes is we'll let ourselves even slip as believers and we'll buy into something or some uh, human philosophy and allow that to dictate what we say to someone. And that should not be what we do. What we should do is simply stick with the truth of God's Word. And so in Titus 1.13, this, this witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. And sometimes, you know, folks, even with our children, you have to be them, don't you? And, and you say, uh, I'm being a friend to my child by rebuking them at times, by being, and it says, rebuke them sharply. And this is the reason why, that they may uh, be sound in the faith. In other words, when you talk about sound, it's being in the right thought process, being in the right mind, being sound in their faith, being strong. And, and what we want to do is we want to encourage each other in the word of the Lord. And sometimes God's word goes against how we Feel. How many of you believe that? It goes against how I feel sometimes. How many of you heard uh, candidate Biden say, I am not interested in facts, uh, or he said, I'm not interested in truth, or how did he say it? I'm not interested in facts. 
uh, but I'm more interested in how people feel about the truth. And I'm thinking to myself, how could that possibly be? Because truth should dictate how we feel about things, shouldn't it? <laughs> and I mean, I'm standing there, I'm listening to this guy talk, and I'm thinking, let me rattle him for a minute and see if he knows what he's saying. See, it was so confusing, I couldn't even get it out because you have to think, uh, just, just convoluted thoughts to get to that level. And the idea is, is that what we want to do is sometimes we have to rebuke people sharply. And here's the reason why, whether it be our children, our family, or friends, we want to help them stay sound in the faith. How many of you know Galatians 6, 1 and 2? How many of you just say it off by heart? Brethren, if a man be overtaken in fault, ye which are spiritual do what? Restore such a one in the spirit of what? Meekness, lest you also what? Be tempted, right? So God tells us that we're even to restore people, but we're to do it in the spirit of meekness. But what type of person is he talking about when he says this? He said, restore such in one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. He said, ye which are spiritual. <laughs> and, and so how do you stay spiritual? Well, if it's not coming from me and it's coming from the word of God, that would be spiritual. Now, my pastor always told me this, and I, and I address this with people all the time. It's good to have a position, and we should, and we should stand on our position. Now, be careful, too, because your disposition matters, too. How I say what I say matters. You know, because we can just be flat-out rude and, and, and not be helpful. And the idea is, is we're not setting out to be rude. We're setting out to be helpful. And so it's good to share truth with people. My position need, means, needs to remain that it is the Word of God. My disposition doesn't have to be a nasty disposition. My disposition can be very kind and gentle, saying, may I share something with you? Can I, can I show you something from God's Word? So, you know, I want you to know this truth, and I don't have to get angry, and I don't have to get upset, and I don't have to blurt it out, and I don't have to be brassy, and I don't have to be yelling. <laughs> I can simply share a truth with them. So position, disposition. Position is I'm going to hold this truth. And so when I look at this, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual. And you say, what is spiritual? I believe it's a person that's willing to take and implement the word of God in any situation. They're willing to take the word of God. And here's the truth of the matter. I'm not doing it in anger. I'm doing it in love. <laughs> I'm doing it in care because I want them to know truth. You do not want to walk with those or converse with those that are not guiding you toward the Lord. You don't want to be around people that are trying to guide you away from God. And, and listen to me. I, I shared this with someone the other night, and you well know this yourselves. If I take a uh, very healthy tomato and I put it amidst a group of rotten tomatoes, how long will it take? Not long, will it? And what we think is, is that I'm strong enough, or I'm spiritual enough, or I think that I can, and I can go in the midst of the rotten tomatoes, and I'm going to be fine. And the reality is, is you cannot. And so you have to try to remain strong. And so if you've got friends that are being, if you will, rotten tomatoes, you don't want to be hanging with them, because they're going to lead you in the wrong direction. They're going to lead you down the wrong path. And so those that, that, that are not walking with God or not conversing with God and not guiding you toward God, you don't want to be around them. Now, let me give you some backup for that. Proverbs 13.20. Proverbs 13.20 said, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. 
think about that for just a moment. <laughs> so when you're walking with the wise men, you're going to be wise, but if you're a companion of fools, it won't take long before you're what? Destroyed. And so God teaches us that we need to be careful of those that we hang with. Another set of verses that will help you is Proverbs 22, 24 through 25. Listen to this. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. You need to be careful about who you're running with, who you're hanging with, the type of people that you're hanging around. And so the Bible teaches us very clearly that iron sharpeneth iron. So what types of people should we be, should we be walking with at all times? I would say more spiritual people, people that are pushing me toward God and not away from God, people that are encouraging me to read God's Word, not to get away from God's Word, not only to read it and maybe to pray together, and it's not to go in and rob the candy store so I can have because I don't have. I don't want to be running with the wrong kinds of friends. Now listen, even in the government, when I was working down there, I saw more thieves in the federal government than I can shake a stick at, and I worked for the Department of Justice. <laughs> And, and I watch people walk out of there every day with your tax dollars. And you say, how did they do it? Well, they just take a pen home. You know, on our pens, when I worked for the Department of Justice, you know it said Department of Justice on it, property of the U.S. government? It actually said that on the pen. But people would walk out of the office every day. You'd go to their house, and they'd have a, a cup on their desk, and it would say, property of the U.S. government, U.S. Department of Justice. And they would have a boatload of pens in there. You say, that's not stealing. Well, if it's the property of the U.S. government and it's in your house, have you taken something that doesn't belong to you? And it used to aggravate me. And so what I'm sharing with you is, is that you don't want to be around those kinds of people that are just willing to say, eh, it's not a big deal. You know, we take little things and make it small, uh, and we say, well, it's no big deal. It's, you know, it's just this or it's just that. Uh, Brother Knickerbocker had shared when he was young that he had stolen something. You know, that story's in my life, too. I was five years old. My dad had given me money. We went to a place called uh, uh, GB's was the name of the place. And so we go up there, and uh, I had money, and I wanted to buy a new cap gun, and I wanted to buy caps, and I realized I didn't have enough money to buy the caps and the cap gun. So in my thought process is, is, well, I'll buy the cap gun, and I'll take the caps, and I'll put them down in the front of my pants here, and nobody will know that I have them. You see, there's things in stores. How many of you know this? And there were big balls there back in the day. <laughs> there were big balls about this big around. And they were actually shooting video of me doing this. They had cameras in there. And there's a guy in the back watching the monitors. And so this little five-year-old boy decided he was going to put the caps in here. And so I realized I was walking around the store for a while. And this guy was kind of following me around. And I was getting uncomfortable. And he said, is your parents here? And I said, no. <laughs> and I lied. They were both there. <laughs> and he said, well, I need you to come with me, and we're going to go find your parents. So they took me and my dad in the back, and uh, my mom was coming there, and she's like, what's going on? <laughs> you know, mom was just <laughs> livid. So they take us in the back, and the guy takes me in the back and shows me what he could see. And I had to put the caps in my pants. You see, when I went in the back, and this was always fearful to me, when Daddy wouldn't talk to me, I knew I was in real trouble then because it was just silent in the car all the way home. And, uh, but here's the thing. My dad, that man, corrected me. My dad 
paid that man for those caps. And we took the caps and we took the gun, but Dad took the gun and the caps and he held on to it. He wouldn't give it to me. And we got home and there was a payment due for that. <laughs> it's called my tail end first. <laughs> and then after that, there was something to pay for that. And so Dad said, whenever you've mowed the lawn X number of times or helped your brothers with the lawn in X number of times, you'll be fine. And so they would mow, I would rake. I was five years old. But he didn't let me get away with it. And so they're mowing, I'm raking, and so we do all this stuff until he felt that enough had been spent on that. And I never forget my dad telling me, what kind of a man do you want to be? I'm a five-year-old boy. <laughs> I'm a five-year-old boy. What kind of man do you want to be? Do you want to be a thief? You see, it helped me because he rebuked me, didn't he? Now, I want to tell you something. The tannin of the hide kept me from ever stealing again because I didn't want that to happen. But the fact is, is that those are the kinds of things that keep us out of trouble. Sometimes it takes rebuke. It takes that kind of thing. Be careful, and be careful what kind of friend you are to someone else. And we should be walking with the right kinds of friends at all times. The second thought on this is that not only they sharpen one another, but they have a biblical lifestyle. In part of this, he says, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. That idea of countenance, that's that idea of life and lifestyle. So we want to walk, we want to walk with others that are going to help us with our countenance, those that are going to help us with our life and our lifestyle. One of the things that occurs in my lifetime uh, has been this. I go back and I be around my family and they know my past and they constantly want to bring up my past to me. They want to bring up my history. They want to bring up things I used to do. Um, they like to bring up uh, old music. Uh, they like to bring up old things that I had done and uh, different people that I ran with and things that I had said and all those kinds of things. That's not helping me. And so I use those as times or as tools to witness to my family. So I tell them, you're right, that did happen. Yes, I was that person. Yes, those things happened to me. Yes, I said those things. Yes, I behaved in that way. But God, the Lord Jesus Christ, saved me. Now, if I want to clear a room of my family, all I got to do is start talking about Jesus. <laughs> and I can clear them out pretty quick. And they don't want to hear that, but I get to tell them what Christ has done for me. And so I was that person. You want people that are going to help you in your walk with Christ. You don't want people that are going to cause you to walk away from Christ. Now, our way of life, including our words, our deeds, our actions, even our thoughts, they should be godly. And so, you know, uh, the, we know the verse uh, in Colossians 3.17. Whatsoever you do, do all to the what? Glory of God. You want God to get the glory. You know, what, no matter what you do, whatsoever you do, uh, whether in word or in deed, you want it to bring glory to God. And so how we speak and the things that we do, uh, it should bring glory to God. So our way of life, including our words, our deeds, our actions, even our thoughts, should be godly. And remember, Jesus told the Pharisees, and he said to them, uh, and we see it in the Scriptures, it says, and Jesus knew their thoughts. If Jesus knew the Pharisees' thoughts, does he know his child's thoughts? If we're saved, he knows what we're thinking. So therefore... Uh, we want others who are going to even battle us to faith to keep us straight with God. I want somebody to correct me. I, I love uh, Brother Edwards uh, dearly. And Brother Edwards has always had the privilege of just picking up the phone and calling me and saying to me, how are you doing? 
And I know what he means by that. And I either have to lie to him or I have to tell him the truth. And the thing about it is, is that it's not wrong to have someone confront you face to face. And what it is, is that if they're going to confront you with truth, that's good. What happens to us is we bulk up and we, <laughs> we get angry at times. And sometimes when we are involved in sin and you get busted, you get caught, <laughs> what happens to us? Anger starts to surface, doesn't it? And, and what it is is that you get caught in the midst of it. And it's not bad for some people to just battle you even to the face to straighten up with your relationship with God. Now, here's the thing. If our lifestyle is going to be what God wants it to be, then our friendships ought to be what God wants them to be. They're crucial. If, if, if our lifestyle is going to be what God wants it to be, then our friendships ought to be what God wants them to be. They, they are crucial. Who you run with, who you hang with, says volumes about who you are. <laughs> the people you hang with says volumes about who you are. And so you say, well, no, that can't be the case. No, that is the case. And, and you have to be conscientious of the people that you run with. And so you need to be mindful. If our lifestyle is going to be what God wants it to be, then we need to make sure we're careful of our friends, uh, friendships. Listen to this, Psalm 10.4. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. Now, who uh, or a person uh, that has a way of life that's you know, wicked or prideful, here's two things I want you to think about. Here's the first one. One of the things, a wicked and prideful person doesn't seek after God. A wicked and prideful person, according to Psalm 10.4, does not seek after God. So when you have wicked people or prideful people that you're running with, remember what this says. And it tells us very clearly in this passage, the wicked, through the pride of his countenance, his life and his lifestyle, will not seek after God. Now listen to this. And the other thing is, is God is not in their what? They're not even thinking about him. And you know, you and me as believers, we ought to have God on our mind regularly. We ought to be thinking about him continually. We ought to be thinking about how I can influence others for Jesus Christ, not influence others away from Christ. I ought to be thinking about how I can influence them for the Lord. Now, uh, you've got to think about uh, your walk. And here's the thing. Stay away from people that are always encouraging uh, even the wrong kinds of jokes. And you don't think it's a big deal, but it starts that way. Language, things they say, and slowly they rope you in, and then they get your mind thinking in a manner that you're not supposed to be thinking in. Filthy jokes, dirty words, actions, things like that. And what happens is, is... We need to walk away from that. That's not godly. That's ungodly. That's habits and attitudes and spirits that you need to walk away from. And so whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. So even if that be true, shouldn't my thoughts be like that as well? <laughs> shouldn't I have some godly thoughts rather than ungodly thoughts? And so if I'm uh, surrounding myself with people that are leading me to think things I ought not be thinking, I probably need to back off from some of those friendships. I need to keep myself as, as distant from that environment as I possibly can. Now, the last thought is this. True biblical friendship has these three components. They sharpen one another. 
They have a biblical lifestyle, and they live as what I would call a biblical friend. They live as a biblical friend. Now, this is, uh, when you say a, a biblical friend, what are we talking about? This is someone who's close to you. It could be a companion, and even husbands and wives and neighbors and stuff, we need to be careful how we talk to one another. Things that we cause each other to think. The things that we say to one another, we need to be conscientious about it. The kind of friends uh, that we need, we do not always want in our lives because we, uh, let me tell you what happens <laughs> if I'm involved in sin. I don't want to be around Christians. If what I'm doing is sinning, I want to get away from people that are godly. If I'm involving myself in sin, I, I, I've got to go do it in secret. <laughs> If I'm involving myself in sin, I have to get away from people that are going to encourage me to do what is right. And so what it is, is I don't want to be around them, and we don't really want them in our lives because we're involving ourselves in sin. And so how many know that there are individuals that your parents did not want you walking with because of what they could see in them as a friend? How many of you had parents say, listen, you need to stay away from them? And you know, my dad... Keith Harrison is in prison today. He was my best friend in school, in, in, in junior high and in senior high, and, and he's in prison today. And my dad always told me, and, when I, and it started in the seventh grade, he said, you need to stay away from him. You need to stay away from him. That guy is going to get you in trouble. And, and he said, you keep running with him, and you're going to start behaving like he is. He doesn't have a good reputation. You need to stay away from him. And, and what it was is Keith always was enticing me to go do wrong. Now, I had a choice, didn't I? I still had a choice, didn't I? I could choose to walk away from him, or I could choose to continue to do what I was doing. And my dad always encouraged me to stay away from him. And sometimes your parents see things in other children that you cannot see. And, and sometimes you can have a friend come up to you and say, look, you need to be careful with them because they can see something in somebody sometimes. I had a man when we were in Colonial Beach, and uh, Brother Chuck Cofty had come. He's an evangelist. And Brother Cofty came into my office to pray with me before the service. And I had a number of men in the church come in, and they were praying with us. When those men went out, Brother Cofty shut the door, and he shut the door, and he said, that man, and he named his name, you need to be cautious of that man. There's something wrong with him. I was like, what? And Brother Coffey said, I'm telling you, something's not right with that man. Something's not right with his heart. And I said, wow. Brother Coffey left, and a week later, I had to call Brother Coffey. That man that he spoke of molested a 12-year-old little girl. Brother Coffey did what? He saw it in him, didn't he? He said, my spirit was jumping, Brother Warwick, when that man was around me. And I was like, what are you talking about? And I just believed God used Brother Coffey, and I kept my caution. But that man went and took a 12-year-old little girl. He had a gun and tape and everything else in his truck. And he was going to kill that little girl. And the thing of it was, is there was a godly man who gave me some godly advice, didn't he? He said, you watch out for him. He wasn't afraid to tell me. 
And here's the thing. Sometimes the Spirit of the Lord can speak to the heart of man, can't he? And he said, be cautious. Be cautious. Now, here's the thing. The kind of friend that is truly a friend is one that's going to put pressure on you to do something. And I call it this, and I know others do. They call it positive peer pressure. Positive peer pressure. Now, people always want to do things in their own way and in their own time, but here's the thing. Remember this. Iron sharpeneth what? Iron. It's a cunning implement, isn't it? Keeps you sharp. And so as we think about this, the kind of friend that is a godly friend does what a godly friend should do. So I gave you on the back of your sheet there, if you flip it over, there are seven things listed there. Those seven things is they sharpen each other according to Proverbs 27:17, They assure each other through adversity. In Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. When trouble comes, you find out who your friends are at times, uh, because how helpful are they, and I'm not just saying that they show up, but how helpful are they spiritually to you in the midst of your troubles? How helpful are they to you spiritually? And then I want you to think about this. They participate with each other. In other words, uh, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And I think a genuine friend sticks with you through thick and thin. They help partic- they participate in your life. They're there for you. They're there to help you. They're there to encourage you at times. They're there to rebuke you when necessary. They rejoice for one another. Uh, Romans 12:15. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. True friends, I believe, do that. They rejoice with you. When you're rejoicing, I believe they weep with you when you weep. And we're not to get jealous or covet, but truly are happy for them. And when they're sad, we're truly praying for them. And, and, and we really reach out to them, and so we rejoice with them. We help them in their time of need. Another thing about real friends, they forgive one another. In Luke 17, 3, take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. Forgive those that repent. Then I want you to think about this. You think about forgiveness as a key to a lasting friendship. Uh, if you're willing to say, please forgive me, you're willing to admit fault, you're willing to say, I've done wrong, and vice versa, and, and you're willing to forgive if they come to you and say, would you please forgive me? I should not have done that. And you're willing to forgive and have a forgiving spirit. They do not share or harbor anger. Proverbs 22:24. I shared this with you. Make no friendship with an angry man. And with a furious man, thou shalt not go. Uh, friends don't harbor anger. This means that a godly friendship will not exist because of anger or bitterness. That's not going to happen. It's not going to be a godly friendship. It's just going to be tough. And then I like this. They spark truth in each other. They spark truth in each other. Proverbs 27:6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. They really spark truth in one another. A friend will always be truthful, and at times when they are truthful, it hurts. And sometimes when people tell you the truth, it hurts. But do you know, we ought to be willing to listen to people that are willing to counsel us according to the Bible, those that are willing to counsel according to the Scriptures. You definitely do not want a Judas for a friend. Would you agree? (laughs) You don't want a Judas for a friend. And, and, And you think about this. When I went through this entire thing and I began to think about this verse specifically, iron sharpeneth iron, so man sharpeneth the countenance of his friends. <laughs> the only thing I could think of is this. A, a godly friend, and I thought about this, this well defines Jesus Christ, which is a friend that's always there for you. 
This well defines Jesus Christ. If you think about it, does Jesus try to sharpen us? Does he try to keep our countenance sharp? And who kind, what kind of a friend is Christ to us? So true biblical friendship has these three components. They sharpen one another. They have a biblical lifestyle that they lead. And they live as a biblical friend. So I just want to encourage you tonight about your friends and people that you're running with and the type of friend that you are. And so I want to encourage you to be the right kind of friend, to be a biblical friend. And so I just want you to think about the friendships that are in your life. All right, let's take out our prayer bulletins. Let's take out our prayer bulletins.